ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Hello, Hilary Harper here. This is the final episode of a five-part series. And if you haven't listened from the beginning, go back and do so. You'll get to hear about my run-in with a relationship anarchist, Mr. Too Much Information, and falling in love with my body again, among other things. Okay, on to the episode. So, things are going pretty well with Jean. We've been seeing each other for a good few weeks now, and he ticks so many big boxes, and nice little ones too. You know when you meet someone new, and you trying to be a bit cautious and you're thinking, okay, well, this is lovely. This is promising. We get along well. We have really good conversations. We seem to have similar values. He's nice to his mum. That's a big green flag. And you try to, you know, just make sure you're being a bit rational about it while also being a little bit giddy because that's really, really fun part of meeting someone that you like. And then what happens is they they turn up to your house with six gluten-free donuts that they have baked with individual fillings labelled with little toothpick labels and some homemade hummus. And also, they're really good at word puzzles. You're like, uh-oh. Yep, I am smitten. The best thing isn't that he can bake, though that's fabulous. It's that we talk. We can talk about anything, small stuff and big, which means that the little problems don't end up turning into bigger problems. He satisfies a lot of the needs that weren't being met in my previous relationships, things like my craving for physical affection. It took me years to realise that communicating about our issues or wanting hugs wasn't something I could or should ignore. While it's feeling close to perfect, I have to keep reminding myself it's still the blissful early days of our time together and I'm wary about feeling so much so soon. And then there's the big question, well, what's next? Because I'm not 20 anymore. I'm not building my life around a relationship. I've already built it. I have a fully developed career, home and children. How do I fit a new person who also has all of that into my established world. This is Dated, a series about dating in your later life and, I guess, what comes after. When I got into this dating thing, I thought it was going to be a long, long road. I was prepared for months of meeting new people, being wary with my heart, taking it slow. And over the past four episodes, I've had to grapple with the awkwardness of relearning how to date in the app age, having my trust challenged by strangers, and rediscovering my sexual self. But I didn't expect to find someone I liked so much so quickly. I thought I'd have to kiss a few more frogs. I was even ready to learn that I might prefer just being alone. In fact, I'd been feeling tired of dating and leaning towards taking a break, around the time I swiped right on Jean. But when this came along, it suddenly felt like something wonderful was being added to my life. It didn't feel like an extra task or worry. So congratulations to me, living the dream. I'm not sure I even know what happily ever after looks like, if it exists. So in this final part, I want to know what are we doing here? How do we embrace the light at the end of the dating tunnel 
if there's ever really an end. It's been a long time since I last transitioned from dating to a relationship and a long time since I last fell in love, if that's what this is. How do you slot your new person into your fuller, messy life and work out if it's forever after? So Jean and I are in the throes of new romance. I feel young and giddy, but I'm also asking a lot of big questions. I've been thinking a lot lately about how dating now is kind of like being a teenager again in horrible ways, like uh, what do they think of me and what do I think of them and is this going to be awkward if we don't get along on a date or, you know, how, how is this meant to play out? What are the rules? What's the etiquette? Are other people doing things differently to me? That kind of thing, that anxiety. Um, but also in really great ways, like when you do meet someone that you get along with well, it's just really fun and you remember what it's like to hang out with someone that you enjoy hanging out with and having fun. And um, also if you find yourself uh, kissing them, for example, on a bridge, for example, um, while people are going past in broad daylight, for example, <laughs> you might find a pair of uh, women who are much older than you walking past and going, oh, young love which makes you laugh and laugh and laugh. For now, Jean and I are having a lot of fun. But how do you figure out if something is getting more serious? I think about what I got into all of this for. After my marriage ended, I wasn't very sure what I wanted at all. I only knew that it wasn't more of what had come before. I feel like there was a lot of blind stumbling around. I mean, you were there. I've been speaking with columnist Kerry Sackville throughout this series. She wrote a book about dating in midlife after a difficult divorce and the long hunt for something to end the loneliness. Well, Kerry did get her happy ending, but only after making a lot of the same mistakes I did. So I realised that I was making really poor decisions about the people that I was dating and I figured out that what I was doing was looking for men who had particular qualities that I thought I wanted. So I thought that I wanted someone who was highly educated, very ambitious, someone who was really charismatic. So it was all the qualities in the person. And then these relationships were not working out. They just weren't good partners. And so after that, I took some time off and I started to think instead of the qualities that I was looking for in a person, I started to think about the qualities that I wanted in a relationship. And I basically came up with two answers. I wanted to be really enjoying the company of the person I was with. And I wanted someone with whom I felt really safe. So once I knew exactly what I wanted, it was much easier to spot it when it came along. Isn't that interesting? Because sometimes I feel like dating is this process of trying to sift through your own conflicting emotions and drives until you work out what's actually going to serve you. That is exactly what it is. And I think that we are all programmed to be attracted to a certain kind of person, usually because of our upbringing, because of our past relationships, because you know we're seeking something that is missing in us and that we think we're going to get it from another person. And I had to really stop dating and almost break down all of my preconceptions and start again from scratch. And I ended up in a relationship with someone who was not the kind of person that I thought that I was looking for, but turns out to be exactly the kind of person who I want to be with. Like Kerry, 
my dating journey has been one of figuring out what I want and recognising my own patterns. After a brief period of deluding myself that I just wanted some fun chats and to meet some new friends, I realised that I did want something longer term and deeper, someone to cuddle on the couch with, to share conversations with, to share our lives in whatever way we chose. I worked out that I didn't want a stopgap, a kind of settling. I didn't want to be with someone just because I was lonely and if it wasn't healthy for both of us. But is this it? What is meant to come next? If you're in this late dating game with me, the goalposts aren't as clear as they might have been in our youth. I've got kids. I've been married. What happens if we do find love again at this stage of life? Dr. Jerry Carancis is a professor of psychology at Deakin University and a couples counsellor. He's been a wise voice on my journey. I think when you are at a different stage of life, the, for lack of a better word, games sometimes that can be played, those courtship games, I think are less tolerable at times. I think it's because you have these existing commitments around potentially children, your work, other members of your family. You may be one of those people that's kind of sandwiched in those generations. You're caring for your own children, but also you're needing to care for your own parents. There's a lot that's whizzing around in your orbit that is life. So I think making the transition into a committed relationship is actually adding more onto an already busy plate. So I think the idea that, you know, people can be coy or people want to be uncertain or they want to have this to and fro about whether they're they're going to kind of jump into the relationship or not, that's one thing that's really different, I think, in later in life. I think you need to approach it with authenticity and with honesty. That includes whether it's the right time, whether you really are committing to this relationship or whether you are ambivalent, but being clear on the reasons for why you're ambivalent. I think if people come at it in a very honest way and there's risk with honesty, you can end up being vulnerable in a way that you feel a bit exposed. But the reality is, is that if you want to be with someone long-term, then ideally that person would catch that vulnerability. They'd be able to hold it, they'd understand where you're coming from. And it's probably already a very important signal and test as to whether this relationship will truly have legs going forward. This whirlwind fling has had me levitating, but it's been a long time since I felt the flutter of new love. I suppose you never forget, but it feels funny at this age. How do we know that love is really what it is and not a flooding of hormones? How much can you trust your heart? Well, there are two parts to real love, right? The, the, the one aspect of love is that kind of passionate romantic love where you feel butterflies in the stomach, you, you, you think about the person a lot, you feel really positive in their company, you're attracted to them both, you know, kind of emotionally as well as physically. But we know that love extends beyond that. It's that deep commitment and want to be with that person in the long term you see a future together, you care about their well-being, you want to do things that ensure their well-being. But at the same token, you want that person to be there for you to be someone who is secure, who makes you feel comforted, who makes you feel loved, that you feel safe in their presence. They can be like a shelter from the storm for the outside world that sometimes is a bit, bit more tough on us than we'd like. All those things come together to let us know when we have found someone that we consider to be in love with. Okay, so what's the best way to initiate the next step? 
Well, I don't think uh, it's it's as easy to know what to do next, right? But I think one of the guiding principles is what does the couple feel is the right thing to do going next? You know, if it involves children, is it that you introduce your partner to your children? Is it that, you know, you have a conversation with your kids about the fact that you found someone? And the same applies to, you know, other other important people in your life. Um, ultimately, you need to do it at a time where it feels right for you. But if you're in a relationship with someone else, it, it's also got to be that it feels right for them. The guiding principle, which actually doesn't matter in terms of age, is doing it in a way where you and your partner agree on how to go about it. It's been a bit more than a month now. I'm still head over heels and reaching terminal velocity. I think I might be ready, but I should probably talk this out with the one person who can really answer that. Hello, I'm Jean, and I found Hillary thanks to her really poorly framed photos on Hinge. (laughs) True. Oh, yeah, of course you get to meet him. So we talked about how quickly we got together, didn't we, at one point? We had like three dates and a lot of chats over about three weeks while you were away for a while. How did you feel about that, getting getting together relatively fast? Oh, when you know, you know. You know I think love can be very baffling, but part of the benefit of maturity and dating is being pretty damn clear about what works for you and what doesn't and how important those things are. So when the right thing comes along and when you see in front of you what you're looking for, why wouldn't you get on with it? Well, and you had an actual list, didn't you, of must-haves and nice-to-haves. How useful was that over the time, the decade or so that you were dating? Yeah, I did that the first time I was dating before marriage and and then I, I revisited it and started it completely afresh after marriage. And you know, I think that there's hundreds, thousands of women that I could connect with and chat on dating apps just in Australia. But if you get clear about what's really going to fill you up with all of the things that you value, then I think you've got a better chance of finding it. And so for me, that meant getting clear about what are my non-negotiables and what are my nice-to-haves and what are the dozen matters? And, and I've learned, I guess, over the years of dating and relationships that when I compromise on the non-negotiables um, or there's too many nice-to-haves missing, then it's just not there. And so what becomes more important beyond that romantic love is how are we actually going to be compatible day-to-day, day-in, day-out? Yeah, my list was quite short and... <laughs> a- kind of agonised over it for ages and I drilled it right down because I was too worried about having too many criteria and and, and you talked about having, you know, there were thousands, tens of thousands of people you might have matched with. I got to the state where I thought there was probably five (laughs) in my local area that that actually fit what I thought I wanted. But when I really looked at the list, it it came down to funny, kind and smart. I don't know if that was too low a bar, but those were my absolute non-negotiables. I don't think I'd understood the heartbreak that I'd put myself through by not understanding that earlier in life, that there are some things that are non-negotiable for me. And it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the other person. It just means we just don't match and you can't, yeah, you can't change you in that field and you can't change them. So you've got to find the right person off the bat. Okay, so asking for a friend when you're swiping through all these millions of profiles, what made you say yes to my kind of little comment that landed from me? 
It wasn't the quality of the photos. <laughs> I mean, I was like, yeah, she looks kind of cute and interesting, but gee, that's, they're weird photos. <laughs> that I one's too so far hard. away. Yeah. It was those criteria. For me, it was a matter of focusing on is this person demonstrating a unique and interesting personality? So, unsurprisingly, you know, your profile captured my attention because I'm like, Neil Gaiman. Oh, yeah, I've heard of Neil Gaiman. But what do I know about Neil Gaiman? Not much. Oh, I better go and look up who Neil Gaiman is. And I was like, oh, this woman looks really interesting and intelligent and she looks like she's active. So I'm, I'm going through my list of non-negotiables and I was like, it's a shame her photos are so terrible. Um, <laughs> I knew that one of me on the paddleboard was <laughs> good and bad. <laughs> Don't remember that one. I probably would have liked that one. So, I mean, this is, this is a kind of a weird thing to talk about on the radio, but... The end point of dating is for a lot of people, not everyone, to, to be in a relationship. Where do you feel like we are at? Where are we going? Yeah. So um, you brought me into this studio to, to, to pop <laughs> this one onto me? This. We have talked about this. Um, you know, there's the interesting thing in your question there is, you know, what are people using dating for? And so what I came to realise was that using dating apps to meet women for fun and shenanigans and good times and, you know, something casual and all that, you know, I guess I reached a place where it's like, well, look, sex is great, but it's not as rewarding as being truly, deeply, madly in love with someone and committed to them. And I'm looking for someone who I want to spend time with more than anyone else waking up in the morning and looking at my partner and thinking, I just want to spend the day with you. And so I knew what that's what I was looking for. And because of all of that coming together, all of that thinking and all of that clarity and the non-negotiables and the nice-to-haves and the desirables and the it doesn't matter, you know, if she can't, she's got gluten intolerance, <laughs> doesn't help with my cooking, but we can work around that. Only drinks one glass of wine at a meal. Like, <laughs> all right, cheap date, awesome. So for me, all of that comes together that within, you know, our few weeks of chatting and our really short first two or three dates, I was like, man, this is looking like the real deal. I am truly, madly, deeply in love and more in love than I think I've ever been in my life. Part of that is the maturity of 51 years and going, I know what matters for love and I've got an idea of what isn't love. I think I've got a pretty good idea of what love is now. And so it's there to recognise and go, well, let's just get on with it. Well, it's good to see we're on the same page about a lot of things, not just goat's feta. Just to be clear, though, we can still have shenanigans and fun and frivolity, can't we? That's mm, not off the table. There's always room for that. Excellent. That's right. We are using the R word. This is a relationship. And now I know where we stand, I guess I have to get everyone else on board too. Like our kids. It's one of the tricky things many of us have to manage dating after a divorce, how our children feel about it all. Being new to it, I don't know how much I should expose them to my dates. When should they meet this guy? Kerry struggled with this too. 
I was really, really careful about not introducing people to my kids or not letting my kids know about any person I was dating unless it was really serious because I didn't want them to be caught up in it. You know, my kids didn't ask for that. And I think it's really destabilizing for kids if, you know, oh, this is mum's boyfriend this week and this is her boyfriend in another month. And, you know, there are different ways of thinking about it. On the one hand, if you're going into a relationship with someone, it's really important to see how they interact with your kids. But on the other hand, you want to protect your kids from being introduced to too many different people. So that's a tricky one to negotiate as well. Yeah. My kids are very cluey and they keep noticing when texts come in a lot on my phone. Oh, yeah. Who's that? Who's that a friend? What kind of friend? It's like, okay, we're not going to talk about this right now. Oh, look, my, my kids definitely knew when I was dating. And I think it's important to be honest with your kids and it's something that they, depending on how old they are, that they can learn to manage. But I think there's a big difference between your kids knowing that you're dating and then being introduced to different people and having to have a variety of people in their lives. Jean and I both have kids and co-parents and work commitments and other things going on in our lives. So we know we have to get the mix right. His kids are much more used to the idea that dad dates people. It's been a decade since his separation. For my kids, it's still very fresh. And as kids do, I think they're still hoping for a reunion, despite us having separate houses now and both seeing new people. So I decide to introduce the idea very slowly. It starts with, mum has a new friend. We like each other and we like hanging out. Then later on, I tell them his name and a bit about him and I show them his photo. And then I introduce the idea that we might be more than friends. Well, I need not have worried. When they eventually meet him, they adore him. They immediately schedule in a round of backyard cricket. And he's great with them. He's not trying to be their dad. He's just mum's boyfriend who's fun to hang out with, which is lucky because he's around a lot. And I meet his kids too, which is terrifying, but they're very kind. And now they're sending photos of their new cat and suggesting movies we could all watch. It's really nice feeling like we'll get the chance to know each other better as all our new relationships settle in. Oh my God, Hilary Harper, you are glowing. Are you on the love drug? I kind of am. Yep, the R word has gone from romance smell to relationship. We're in a relationship now. Oh my God, this is amazing. This is so amazing. Tell me absolutely everything. I just can't really believe my luck. As you know, I tend to go, what is this good thing that is happening to me and why? But I kind of think about all the stuff I waded through that I shared with you to get to this point. And I cannot believe that I have met this lovely person that I just click with so but well. But it's incredible. It's like the rest of us are out there in the trenches doing time and you're like five dates in, you find this incredible human being. I mean, honestly, I feel like through this whole process, you've just done all this work on yourself to let yourself want things and look at what happens when you want something, you get something, a person who actually fulfills those needs. That's amazing. That's really interesting that you say that because I was thinking about what what I've learned from this whole process. And, you know, we talked about the thought of being lonely for the rest of my life, but I actually worked out that if I was alone, I would be okay. And that meant that I was more able to go into a relationship clean. You know, I'm, I'm coming to this as my full self, but I will be okay if this doesn't work. And also, like you said, I worked out that A, I have needs and B, they're actually important. You can't squash them down for years and years and years just because they don't fit with your partner's needs because it's not fair to either of you. So that was really useful for me. And also pleasure 
is pretty cool and I need that too. Well, the glow says everything. Life is messy. And when I started this series, I didn't want to get to the end of the story and have it neatly tied up with a fairy tale ending because I don't believe that's how the world works, usually. And I'm glad I'd come to that place before I met Jean of being fairly content with my life and appreciating all the wonderful people and things in it, even if I was still a bit lonely. But finding romance and companionship is possible, and I guess it's just as unfair to pretend that it's not. Maybe it's more a happily-for-now situation. And if it doesn't work out, and we've all been round the traps a bit, we know things aren't always what they seem, then this journey will still have been worthwhile because I've learned a lot about myself and about the new dating landscape. I wouldn't have met Jean if it hadn't been for the apps, but if I had to do it again, would I go back to them? Would I even have a choice? In my conversations with academic Lisa Portolan, I wondered if this paradigm of human connection is here to stay. If we struggle with its idiosyncrasies, is there any hope of finding love without it? I think there's definitely hope if you leave the apps. I don't think life ends on the apps, absolutely not. We might at some point here live in a post-dating app world where we're back meeting people in person. It could actually happen. I think if we try a little bit harder and we come up with the art of flirtation a little bit more, that the face-to-face world has not completely lost its purpose within the dating realm. That is extremely encouraging and I choose to believe it. (laughs) (laughs) The app format of a catalogue of lonely singles isn't perfect by any means, and it isn't for all of us. But it can connect us to wonderful people we might never have met in our local cafe or at our office or a friend's party. It can push us a bit outside our comfort zone in good and bad ways. I feel very lucky not to have to think about the apps for the moment. Though when Jean and I had the chat about being exclusive, Mel had to remind me of one last important thing I had to do. I have to say though, are we at the delete the app stage? Oh God, I guess we are. That's the next step, isn't it? Next step. In dating world. Next step. Get the hell rid of it. Like, what is happening? You can't have the backup plan sitting on your phone. What are you talking about? Also, with all due respect, it deserves to die a quiet death. I worked so hard on that profile. I think that it's not a backup plan. I just, I, I've... It's, it's a bit sad to let it go because it brought me Jean, but also I, I agonised over those words. I know the pictures were terrible. Let's move on. Screen grab oh, and yeah. move on. Honestly, Hillary, I am like sitting at the feet of a giant now. I'm like, help me. In fact, probably I should get you to look at my app. Do not recommend any photos though. I'm sorry, I love you, but <laughs> no. <laughs> but everything else, 100%, I'll get you to weed out my perspectives. All right, well, let's weed out this profile right now. Tables are turning. There it goes. I'm so proud of you. (laughs) Thank you, Mel. So off it goes into the digital netherworld. I feel a pang at saying goodbye to all the bravery, I guess, that I'd had to draw on and those exciting and weird new experiences. But I also feel relieved and happy and a bit proud of myself for having gone on this big adventure. I'm back at the airport, but this time 
it's not a place that reminds me of all the love I'm without. I'm actually about to head off on a trip with Jean. He's taking me to Sydney and we're planning to see galleries and coastal walks. We travel well together, it turns out. And I'm so looking forward to revisiting some of my favourite places with him. We do feel like a little team of two, off on an adventure together. It's really nice. And I'm constantly surprised by how easy and fun it all is. Airports always have that buzz about them, anticipation and excitement and lots of different emotions circulating. And today I can see people working on their laptops or reading or checking their bags and their phones really anxiously. And then there's us because there is an us now. Having a quick coffee before we head off on our own adventure. (laughs) Holding hands, smiling, feeling very full hearts. And it feels like I've come full circle in a way. The older I get and the more I know about life and love, the less confident I am in all the old certainties sold to us by rom-coms like Love Actually. Maybe we have to make up new stories for ourselves. But one thing that movie was right about, it turns out love really is all around. Love of all different kinds. You just need to know who you are and what you need to find it. Dated is a Life Matters series for ABC Radio National. Our series producer is Nat Tenchich. Matthew Crawford is our sound engineer. Hayley Crane is our executive producer. And I'm Hilary Harper. Dated and loving it. Hey, if you enjoyed this series, you can listen to more of Life Matters. I explore the big things that matter in our lives, from sex and relationships to work, parenting and health, alongside Beverly Wang. Weekdays on ABC RN or catch up anytime on the ABC Listen app.